Podcast. I'm Diana. And I'm David. It's Riverdale, Season 5, Episode 8, Chapter 84, Lock and Key. A big announcement forces everyone to take stock of their current lives. Ah! Well, I no longer like this show. <laughs> are you Are you at where I was halfway through, like, Season 4, where... We started early or like early on when I was just like, I can't I can't fucking with this show anymore. <laughs> I liked most of season four. Yeah, I know. I did too. I, I I had to be I had to come around on it, but I did. I, I it was crazy, but in a fun way. This is not crazy in a fun way at all. This is just bad and gross. It's just fucking gross. We did all of the setup. We did all the setup. To just go right back to where we were. To just be like, okay, we're in fucking high school again. Which we knew, we knew there were going to be elements of that. Like, that's not a shock at all in any way. It's fine. I'm not mad about that. And there are things in this episode that are actually good. Yeah. There are. But the Cheryl and Tony of it all is just so poorly done. And it really, I just, like, after we watched it the first time, it was just like, they should have, like, they really... If they couldn't, if they couldn't do this right, they should have never had Tony be pregnant. Like I'm all for like if it makes sense to include an actor's real life pregnancy, do it. Like if you can do it narratively, that makes sense. Cool. Um, but if you can't, hide it. Don't like I'm I'm I really enjoy the game of hide the real life pregnancy of the actor. <laughs> I enjoy that game on TV. But if it doesn't make narrative sense, don't do it. <laughs> they they reversed engineered it in the absolute worst way possible. They decided they were they were going to do this, which is admirable. The decision to do that and allow her to work. The the motivation they gave to her again makes total sense. I don't have any problem with that. Who they had that conversation with? Horrible. The impetus for the conversation? Horrible. Everyone assumed she was being the surrogate for Kevin and Fangs fine i again i like that she volunteered and it was a decision that they were going to have this baby together they were going to be this family raising this child together that was not revealed well <laughs> it was at all. it was Be dropped like a fucking bomb like a bomb and then they just kind of ran away yeah which is which is bad that's the other part that's really not handled because there's a part of this where it's like well are you a surrogate or are you going to be a parent because this child's gonna have three parents or supposed to have parent now is after what's going on with kevin this child may only have fangs and tony as a parent we don't know but again this was handled badly and should not have been doled out in this way once again they are fucking lazy lazy and it also and when you mirror that against how lovely the betty and archie stuff was done because it really was. Yeah. And actually, Archie as a whole, I feel, has the most maturity. I'm like, do you have a completely different room of writers writing that one group, that <laughs> those characters and those scenes? And then just like, hey, our 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 writers, we've had the whole like, did you hire only new people for those people? Because those make sense. Like it like it's complete disconnect. It is bad. Here's the thing, too. Betty and Jughead. I actually enjoyed their stories. I know there's a lot more that's going on with those two that hasn't been revealed. Sure. But the direction that they're headed makes a ton of sense. To me, the two things that piss me off the most mm -hmm. are the absolute immaturity of the Veronica storyline, which Veronica is not that immature. 
Might she be she a is. little bit devilish? She is. Well, okay. She is that immature. But she didn't have to be, I guess, is the bigger point here. It's sad and pathetic what they've done to her. Yeah. And then the tactics that they have her use, again, sad and pathetic. The way she uses Archie in this episode, pathetic. You are in high school. Again, Cheryl, you are fucking in high school. And I gave Cheryl the tiniest bit of a past, like just a time, like of under, not a past, of understanding in the last episode. It's like you finally come out of your isolation and you're right back into this, the same role you had in high school. So of course you're going to revert back to that behavior. Doesn't excuse it. Doesn't make it okay. But it's understandable. So yeah, not okay. The Tony and Cheryl stuff, not okay. That's oh. horrible. And the, the Veronica stuff, horrible. Again, your diverse characters, you're shitting on. And the Kevin stuff is not great, but I will say is in keeping with the track record of Kevin. It's not great, but it is on track for what we know of Kevin so far. So we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get to it. But, oh, this episode is bad. It is so fucking bad. And the conceit <laughs> of this episode is bad. Oh, boy. And that's to say, I don't have a problem with a key party in general. A key party where it's like everyone here is game. Like, keys in the bowl, take a key, go have fun. That's fine. But the whole purpose of this party was to fuck up people. Yes. And not only that, it was to fuck up a person you supposedly love. That's where I'm like, fuck all these people and fuck these writers. A lot can happen in seven years. And yet, not a lot did. Jesus fucking Christ. This first part of the episode, I'm already pissed. Mm -hmm. Look, I, I've, I've been pissed about Kevin Keller this whole fucking time. Casey Cott is such a talented actor. And I love this season that he's in actual scenes. Yes. He gets actual lines and actual reactions. That's one of the best things about Kevin is that he's so reactive to things. He's so fun in that way. And I have no problem with him being used that way. And I totally called a lot of this stuff. <laughs> um, so there's a part of me. But so we start the episode with Kevin is hooking up with a guy named Rick at the truck stop. Okay. Truck stop is a hookup place. Okay, fine. Kevin is hooking up with truckers. Again, that's fine. So long so long as Kevin and Fangs are on the same page about this, you know. But they're fine. not on the same page. Ex that's the problem. Okay, fine. So that happens. And then we find out as he's returning home, he was out getting groceries. Jesus, fuck. And so he had to go to several stores to get the right kind of milk. But I got two kinds of sugary cereal. For the baby cravings. For the baby cravings. So it's like, okay. And then Kevin sits down and thinks like, are you nervous about the big announcement? And Kevin's like, no, it'll be fine. And I knew. I was like, yeah, they're getting married. I knew it when, when Fangs said that. It's like, mm-hmm. Fangs can totally tell something's wrong, though. He knows something's up. They've been together for eight years. He knows something is up. Yep. We cut over to Betty's room and you hear Archie say, you ready? And Betty's like, yeah, sure. Archie walks in and it's the picture that had been released from RAS <laughs> of Archie shirtless, but in a fireman's uniform. She goes, oh, wow. I was not ready. <laughs> Love it. Perfect. She was like, I think this is a step up from when you were eight saying you wanted to be a fireman. You've come a long way. That's <laughs> great. <laughs> They have sex. I'm here for this. It's adorable. We cut over to Pops, and Jughead and Tabitha are talking to Dr. Whitley. And they explain that, yeah, we had a specimen. It got stolen. And then Jughead starts talking about his experience. And Dr. Whitley's like, yeah, you know, when people talk about this, they make these claims. You know, sometimes 
it's true, but usually it's people repressing a traumatic experience. And Tabitha's like, okay, well, if they're telling the truth, you know, what do we do? And Dr. Whitley kind of just, she's like, well, you know, I do believe that some people are telling the truth, but I have a support group for people who've had these experiences. So she hands them her card and Jack is just like, you know, maybe if I'm repressing something, I want it to stay repressed. And he gets really defensive and really snarky, but he takes the card. Hey, hey, actually love this turn. Love this turn. Yeah, and we're we're going to get to it later, but uh, they've been dropping hints with Jughead here for a while, and there's a really... <sighs> I, did, I did look at the Reddit. Everybody's convinced now that Jughead is TBK. What? I'm not convinced. What? I'm not convinced at all. That would be fucking wild. I don't believe that at all. No. No. I that would make no sense for the trauma. It's... To me, it's something completely different. It is something completely different. I think it is. I think it is something bad. Yeah, it's definitely something bad. But yeah, the internet is convinced that he's TBK. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. If that happens, uh, <laughs> we're gonna have to have a long conversation about this fucking show. Well, it's like okay, if he's TBK, how did like then the, the Betty of it all. The Betty of it all. The Betty of it all. That's that's the whole thing. So just kind of like keep that in your mind. That's what people are starting to think now. Oh my gosh. Exactly. Uh, we cut back over to the Cooper house and Dagwood and Juniper are doing some macaroni art and they're working on missing person posters for Polly. Betty gets a call from uh, Sheriff Keller. I was freaking out and it's like, okay, they found another body. It's not Polly, is it? No, uh, it's definitely been there for a while. So for a year. Poor, poor Alice Cooper. I mean, Alice Cooper is just a hot fucking mess, which makes total sense. You know, no shade. She's doing a great job helping those kiddos, though. She really is. She's taking care of those kiddos and she's looking for her daughter. I mean, makes total sense. Then we cut over to a steam room. Kangs is in there. And uh, Kevin just like, you know, we should talk about some stuff. And, you know, we've had an open relationship. I called that. And... Fangs is like, yeah, but that was mostly when I was on the road. But, you know, I want to be a monogamous, too. So now Fangs is like, yeah, Kevin, I want to be monogamous. So Fangs has been under the impression that Kevin wants to be monogamous. Kevin has been pushing for this. Yeah. And he's like, you know, it's going to be a fresh start for us. A clean slate. I called so much shit. So mad. (laughs) Yeah. However, true Ray Tanner. (laughs) <laughs> yeah like wow i was not expecting that god damn he's, he's very attractive mm-hmm. long hair and the mustache it's it it's working real well for him it's there it's great good good good, good for you drew <laughs> we cut over to betty at the swamp she calls her mom it's not polly and alice is just she's, she's, she's gonna pop she's gonna find her so then we go over to the pembroke and veronica's on her computer she gets a message from chad he wants to see what she's up to. Veronica gets pissed. Smither comes in. It's time to renovate. God damn it. And I know ju- I've hired just the contractor. We cut on over to the dog house. Hey. hey. And Veronica's going over floor plans with Archie, what they want to do. And they're kind of making eyes at each other. And Archie's like, hey, you know, Wendy, what's your timeline? And she's like, I want it done yesterday. And Archie's like, mm-hmm, yeah, because he totally knows how Veronica is. <laughs> Jughead comes in. And is just like. What is this? You're on Shangri-La. <laughs> then Betty comes in and Jughead just kind of stares at her and is just like, hey. <laughs> and like really stares at her, which is kind of funny 
because they also have not had any scenes together since the first one, which is great. Like they've been in the same room, but they haven't talked to each other, which I believe is part of uh, people's thinking that he's TBK. Yeah, but no. It's just. It is. And that's what I love about that moment is that it's very sarcastic, fun Jughead, Mm -hmm. while also being very indicative of how those two have not reconnected in any form or fashion not there's there's no friendship it's like we're people who used to fuck that's who we are to each other right now and also betty is fucking your roommate right now but just just his look stare for a good two seconds hey (laughs) yeah yeah it's very it's very funny so cheryl comes in what are we doing here we've all been summoned Kangs and Tony come in. We're getting married, but also we're going to be parents. We're having a baby. The baby. We're having a baby together because we're a big uh, non-traditional family. To which they turn the camera to Cheryl. What the actual Riverdale. To which I go, what the fuck, Cheryl? What the fuck, everyone? Number one, y'all have no idea how non-traditional families work. It's like you did no research on how this works. It's presented as though, almost as though they're a thruple, which is a thing. And it's just, it's just so disrespectful to those lifestyles. It's also just disrespectful to people who have surrogates, to people who decide to have a baby with a friend. It's just it there's there was no care involved. And then they made the moment about Cheryl's reaction. Like, here's the thing. And they could have done that. Cheryl being hurt by this. I don't have a problem with Cheryl being like, oh, because to Cheryl, it's. Well, that closes the door on any future we have. I understand. I I understand that. But they, they could have had the moment with just the reaction of Cheryl's face being sunken, being like, oh, like everyone else is excited for them. And Cheryl's like devastated. But instead, she's angry and mean about it. And it's like, if you want to rehabilitate Cheryl, because you can still have her be- piss and vinegar here and there because that's fun. But no, you made her gross. Oh, they... Look, you gave up on Cheryl a long time ago. I did. I did. And I kind of left the door open. I'm fucking done with that bullshit. They're never going to rehabilitate her. And if they ever do it in earnest, it's not going to be worth the payoff. Here's the thing. They had done such good work with the first few episodes of this time jump. They They did. They did. But when they tied her rehabilitation directly to a relationship with Tony, they ruined it. And this is where I get into this whole reverse engineering of the pregnancy thing. Mm-hmm, yeah. Where you forced a wedge into this. Mm-hmm. And again, the motivation behind that and working with Vanessa Morgan and wanting to create that environment is fucking awesome. But and- you didn't give any effort to making that work. Well, no. And here's the other thing. I understand that this baby intertwines the group way more. Ha- Tony having a baby with Fangs and Kevin intertwines them way more that's what you need in this type of group if people aren't in a relationship or have some connection why are they around each other i get it a baby does that a baby complicates things i'm fine with that but now you've made it all about cheryl and you could have made it about cheryl's reaction to this in a way that was still respectful but she didn't do that. No. And you made it really fucked up with our next scene where Cheryl bursts into Tony's office and says, oh, well, they call me Cherry Bombshell. And why didn't you warn me about your child's lineage? Which just 
oozes racial bullshit to me. It's that and homophobia. A little bit. A little bit. And Tony's response is, you know, I wanted to tell you, but your recent behavior just didn't make me feel like we had that type of relationship. Good on Tony. And Cheryl's just like, what's the deal? She's like, you know, when I was a junior in Highsmith College, I found out from a doctor, I have a condition. It's going to make it hard for me to have kids. So if I want to do it, I have to do it while I'm young. To which then Cheryl's complete demeanor, she's like, oh my goodness, Tony, I didn't know. She's all of a sudden like really sympathetic. And I'm like, this bullshit. The reason for Tony to have this baby, great. I'm sympathetic to this. This conversation is bullshit. Tony should not be explaining fuck all to Cheryl. I'm so mad for Madeline Petch and Vanessa Morgan. That's who I'm mad for here. Because these two are worth more than this. They are. Mm. They just fucking are. And And they've been given total trash to work with. So we should have had an episode where someone, and I would have loved, it should have been Veronica. Because Veronica should, so here's how part of this episode, because Veronica makes a comment later in the episode, you know, taking stock of what's missing in my life. And she's already had the conversation about not wanting kids yet. She should have had a conversation with Tony about, you know, I can't believe you're having a child. And this is where Tony should have told Veronica, I found out clock is ticking. I have to do it when I'm young or not. So I'm doing it. I want to have children. It's really important to me to be a mom. So I'm going to do it now. So the audience knows she full like she's the she's going to be mom. Yeah. She's not just a surrogate. She this is her baby. Uh-huh. Great. Now we have that information. Cuz yes, I had the I had the theory that Reggie was dad. I'm a little sad that that's not the case because again, that would intertwine some things, but I'm okay with that too. That's fine. But yeah, that would have been a great reveal. And then that would have complicated Veronica's feelings with Chad. And then the next episode could have been, we have the complication with the with the Kevin and Fang's relationship. And then, yeah, we're having a baby with Tony. And then, oh, our relationship is not that stable. Then we could have get into that bullshit. But that's where this should have been its own isolated thing that would have fulfilled its need and would have been beautiful for Tony, would have been beautiful for Veronica, fueled her character more in a separate way, and also would have been really respectful to women who are in that position. I'm just mad. I am so mad. Tony explains, you know, Fangs is like family to me. You know, we came up through the serpents together. And when when Kevin and Fangs were talking about surrogates, I volunteered, which I like. I like that she volunteered for this. She wanted, she wanted to do this. And Cheryl just complains, well, so you're, you've got your Insta family and I'm withering away at Thornhill. And Cheryl's selfish, selfish. And, you know, why did, you know, I can't believe you pulled me out of this just to, you know, I guess we're done. And Tony's like, I still care about you, but they are my family. I'm going to have this family. And Cheryl just is mad and leaves. Uh, yeah. It's, it's always about Cheryl. Cheryl is a selfish bitch. God damn. Yeah. Ugh. So we cut on over to Betty and Kevin walking down the hallway. It's very reminiscent of, you know, past, which was fun. <laughs> and Kevin's like, you know, I, we always thought that Archie and Veronica or the bughead baby would be the first one, but I guess now it's going to be mine instead. And Betty's just like, yeah, I know. That's what we thought. And Kevin's like, that's very loaded. And she's like, <laughs> well. Uh, and so she tells him what's going on. He's like, shut the front door. <laughs> Oh, no. First, he says, don't tell me you and and Jughead are getting back together. Nice. Which I love. Everybody sees this is not good. Uh Uh-huh. That situation is a nightmare. 
it ain't good. Yeah. Don't do it. But yeah. Uh, and so Betty is very kind of stars in the skies about the whole Archie situation. Like it's casual. It's great. It's an escape. You know, he's just a lit window in the dark. She is idealistic about it, but I, it's also grounded. Yes. I love I love the thing of just like, it feels like we're in a bubble and I don't, don't want to break it. Yeah. She like did- we're just having fun and it's really nice. She's she's trying not to overanalyze it. It's like I really do like this analogy of he's a lit window in the dark because that's exactly what he was for so long. Well, he, he across he like the lit window acro- yeah. across the way. He's he's reliable. She does love him. It's just a different kind of love. We've talked about their relationship. It all makes sense, and it's it could get overly complicated, but that's literally what it is. It's like I need an escape. He needs an escape. That's what we are. Yeah. Done. Not it's it really is not that complicated. It's really cute and really mature. It's <sighs> fucking mature. Which again is why I I feel like a completely different room of writers is writing for Betty and Archie. Yeah. I like legit. I feel like their storylines have been written by completely different people who have never written for Riverdale before because it's eons more mature. We cut on over to English class and Jughead is talking about Slaughterhouse Five, which I've actually never read. Oh, it's a good book. It's a really good book. And so he's he's talking about uh, the character Billy and about how he's gotten true sight. And then he looks into a door and he sees a Mothman and it just kind of stops him in his tracks. And the students are like, hey, Mr. Jones. And Jughead's like, okay. It's like, oh, you said there was a different interpretation. It's like, oh, yeah, that Billy's crazy. Uh huh. Of course, that's you know either either Jughead has true sight or Jughead's crazy. I, I did catch on that, even though I haven't read the book. Oh yeah. And so then after class, we see Jughead call Doctor Whitley, and he's like, "Um, I think I might want to go to that support group." Just for anyone who hasn't read Slaughterhouse Five, the whole conceit of the novel is that this character Billy becomes unstuck in time. Oh, okay. And so the the chapters constantly bounce back and forth between these few different locations from when he's dealing with things okay that's the other thing about him being the tbk because we know he's had activity in tulsa so how could he be in tulsa well if he's unstuck in time and locations he could be in tulsa and here at the same time that's how he keeps losing it which you know but it but it's also that big metaphor it, mm. it is a big metaphor okay no that's good that no that explain and helps that helps that gives me context for that theory that people have i still think it's garbage because this Riverdale does not really go in for the metaphysical. No, and Slaughterhouse Five, in a lot of ways, because it deals with World War Two, uh-huh. is really more a metaphor about trauma. Sure, yeah, it's a trauma response. Yeah, that's re- that's where they're going with yeah. that, a- and that feeling of losing time to a tr- a trauma and a memory. Yeah, and and feeling dissociated, like that's the whole point of mm-hmm. that. Which is why, again, we're going to get to his explanation. Yeah. But I think it's something far more grounded, mm-hmm. and I think it it has to do with him being a victim, not a perpetrator. Oh, yeah. We cut on over to Thornhill, and Cheryl is painting Minerva Marble um, as uh, Diana hunting the boar. Yeah, I, the second this happened, I just hit you. I was like, you called it so fucking right on. Yeah, I knew it. Like, they're going to fuck. Of course they are. Well, you don't bring this actress in if she's not going to be a little bit more of a feature. Because she's fabulous. She was great on Sabrina, despite my big problems with that show. So she's she's forging she's forging another painting. And she was like, when I finish with this, will you leave me alone? And Minerva's like, I don't know. 
<laughs> and and Cheryl's just like sad. And she's like, you know, and she's complaining about Tony. You know, she lured me out of the house and it's just not fair. Ugh. I'm sad about my girlfriend. Boo. And Minerva's like, well, you know, as an outside and an outsider, you know, you only have two options. You can rise above or and Cheryl's like, oh, I can throw some chaos at her happiness. No. Well, here's what I like about this. The only thing I like about this is that we've met someone who's just as manipulative and chaotic as Cheryl. And we have never had that before. That's fair. Cheryl has never had a counterpart. <laughs> She's had a companion, Tony. She's never had a counterpart. I'm interested in that. That's fucked up, but I'm here for it. I uh, I have a theory that I'll talk about later. Okay. Oh, I'm interested in a theory from David. Yeah. Ooh. We come on over to Veronica getting a phone call from Katie Keen. Again. Okay. Now. I am firmly convinced that they kept all of this shit that they wrote earlier and didn't bother to write it out because this is the third fucking time no. we've included Katie Keene, a show that does not exist. No, I think this is their way of trying to force people to care about it because they want people to go watch Katie Keene on HBO Max to try and get it repicked up so they can relaunch it or so they can get those actors on the show. <laughs> No, because Arias has another deal to relaunch Pretty Little Liars, which why the fuck are you doing that? You're fucking up this show. You fucked up Sabrina. Why are people giving him more shows? Because because people like us watch it and complain about it. (laughs) I'm, I'm putting him in the same camp as Ryan Murphy. Good producer. You have good ideas. You get a team together and help launch it then you need to get away from it because you're going to ruin it. That's the key. Ryan Murphy, brilliant producer. Then you need to go the fuck away. Uh Uh-uh. No, no. Bad. (laughs) And also, he used to work on Glee, so that's where he learned some shit. Yes. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. We learned that. Okay. She gets a call from Katie Keene. Katie Keene is here to report that Chad is lunching with the Spiffany's heiress. And Veronica's just like, oh, he's trying to make me jealous. Well, there's only one thing left to do. She goes to Pembroke, where... Her apartment's being gutted. Archie and Eric are working on it. And she's like, okay, I think we should take a a picture to celebrate. And she pulls in Eric and Archie and makes Archie flex. Ew. And that's what pisses me off. It's like, this is high school bullshit. You're using Archie as a tool to punish your husband. And it's like, no, you're the fucking tool. Yes. Grow up. I would have liked her just being like, no. Like, just no response. Just no response. (laughs) Just you shouldn't respond to that behavior. It's the it's the same bullshit with her with her dad, and it's pathetic. I do like that Katie's going to pour hot coffee on Chadwick. That's no, fun. No, what she should have done, what I should, what she should have done is she should have sent Katie Keene go send them a bottle of champagne on me, like something to that effect to be like, oh, I know, I don't give a fuck, bye, because <laughs> that would have been more Veronica unless. High school bullshit games. Like, I still have the upper hand. I still have eyes everywhere. You can play this game, but I'm going to win. But no, she played the same game he did, and his game is childish. So guess what? You're down in the muck with him, too. Yep. Same, what her dad yelled at her, like, oh, you don't want to get your little Barnard hands dirty. You're going to have to. Oh, no. You're, he wants to. Uh, I just, it's so pathetic. So then they, they all get text messages about going to the White Worm. Veronica says, let's go. I'm buying. So we cut to the white worm. Eric and Archie are talking and Eric is like, so what's going on with you? And I thought you had something going on with Betty, but like 
also Veronica, I see the looks and Archie's just like, things with Betty are just, uh, are just casual. And you know, Veronica's married. No. So he, but like, then he kind of smirks. And Eric's just like, "Uh uh-uh, Sarge. Uh -uh." Uh-uh. Whatever. (laughs) Cool. Again, totally. Like, that's exactly what Archie should say. Archie and Eric are the best. I love, I love it. I lo- that's his bro. It's that's so his army good. Bro. It's cute. It's w- again, well written. Uh, Cheryl comes in, apologizes to Tony. This is a good scene. She's like, let me have a do-over. And Tony's like, of course, your support does mean the world to me. Again, Tony is trying to be very generous to, to Cheryl. Really? I hate this. Because to me, all this reads is Tony wants back with Cheryl. She does. Uh, no, this is, I feel like at this point, I feel like in the last episode with Tony, that door shut. Like any inkling, I feel like that door shut. I feel like Tony is really operating under, I want us to have a genuine friendship. And Cheryl does not know, Cheryl doesn't know how to have friends. No. And she certainly doesn't know how to be friends with an ex. Oh, oh, oh no. So yeah. Cher- Cheryl doesn't know what friendship is. She only knows how to manipulate people. All right, fair. So I that, just was so, so I, the whole time I was mad at Tony because I was like, "Why are you letting her back in?" Well, and I will say this: Tony is also a social worker, so Tony's always going to come from a place of healing. Of, yeah, of healing. Um, which, ugh. but on the other hand, also Tony. Good. Tony has been good about saying, "Like I'm calling you out," and she sets about. She sets some clear. I'm not putting up with this bullshit later. Like Tony's. They're, they've done they've done good with Tony's responses yeah, to you, this behavior. Thinking about it, you're right. It actually makes a lot of sense for her character. Like her her responses, of course. I, do, I your support would mean the world to me. Like that's a very like I'm gonna forgive you, and it's an encouraging response. But then she instantly ruins it, and she jumps on the on the pool table. But you never stand on a pool table. That ruins the felt. That's really expensive. <laughs> Okay, uh, we're all, you know, plowing into sad adulthood and, you know, it's time for us to uh, uh, recall our reckless teenage self. Like, you know, remember my spin the bottle of your party? Like, which again, I like how many times they recalled S1E1, the spin the bottle party. Can I just say, only one person here seems to have a really sad adulthood and it's fucking you, Cheryl. No, it's it's her and Jughead. They're the only people who are truly sad. yeah. I mean, people have sadness in their life. Shit happens. Everyone is dealing with a lot of trauma. But the only real sad sex are her and Jughead. And Jughead doesn't pretend like he's not. Jughead's not pretending that his life doesn't suck. You are. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like we're having a key party and it's just fuck. Everyone's just like really and gross. And I just really wish nobody had shown up to the key party. We're really, we're reliving our high school years. Barf. Our reckless teenage selves. Betty comes home to find Polly all completely fucked up in her bed. And she's like, what's going on? She goes, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have gone in alone, Betty. And then TPK comes in behind her and slashes her throat. And then, you know, she wakes up and, uh, and then, you know, she looks over at the window and the light's still on at Archie's window. So she texts him and then Archie comes in and he says, good thing your mom still leaves that spare key under the gnome. That's going to come back later, of course, because, you know, the TPK is going to come find Betty and uh, that that keys. That's going to be how he comes in. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I mean, I like that little nugget. Like you sh- like Betty, come on. FBI training 101. Don't make it easy to get into your fucking house. I mean, fuck Jughead. I'm pretty sure it's Glenn. I'm, I'm going with TPK as Glenn. Unless <sighs> otherwise stated. I, I would rather it be Glenn than any 
any Jughead. I mean, I'm fine with, like, if you want us to think it's Jughead, I'm fine with that. Fair. I'm, I'm fine with that. Like, Betty needs to suspect everyone around her, but no. I don't know. Glenn or Ch- Chicken Boy Toy? Uh, Charles. Yeah. I mean, we know they're coming back, so. No. The Cooper siblings? No. The fake Cooper siblings. Well, no. <laughs> Whatever. Who gives a fuck? Anyways. Um, There's a lot of possibilities here, but it's not Jughead. So he comes in and it's just a very different tone. It's a different tone. And, you know, Betty's just like, I, I, I just need an escape. And so they kiss and like you, it's just a different vibe. This is not, we're gonna fuck. It's like, uh, we need to have sex. This is more of like, I called my boyfriend type of phone call, not I called my booty call type of call. Exactly. <laughs> Which we get to d- next day. Archie's in his kitchen. Eric comes in. He's like, oh, you made breakfast. He's like, oh, I haven't even gone to bed. I was at bed. And he's like, oh, and he's like, no, no, no. I thought it was going to be a Buddha call, which it would have been fine, but it was different. And you're right. There there are still vibes with Veronica. I would never do anything because she's married, which I, I really, I love the scene. It's perfect because he's acknowledging what we just saw. He's, he's like, you're right. There are vibes with Veronica, but also she's married and that's not okay. I would never do anything because that would be bad. But like, okay, something's happening. Something's going on. Okay. Love this. Uh-huh. Love it. We cut on over to the gym and Kevin and Fangs are working out. And Kevin's like, so you're gonna bring you're gonna bring one of your trucker bros to the party. And <sighs> Fangs is like, why would I do that? We just closed our relationship yesterday. He's like, you know, I just I think it would be uh I'm just curious about the company you keep. And Fang's like, what's going on? And he's like, let's just like get all of this out of our system. No secrets, no guilt. And even Fang's is like, uh-huh. Like he like he's like, sums up. Sums up. God damn it, Kevin. <sighs> uh, yeah. We'll get there. I'm mad, but I'm, I'm not that mad. I'm mad, but I will say like this, I feel like this completely tracks. I feel again, I feel like this completely tracks for Kevin. Uh, we cut on over to the Cooper house and Betty comes in and Alice is just like sitting on a stool next to the phone. She's like, Polly called. And Alice just seems insane. She has Winona Ryder, Stranger Things vibes going on. A, li- a little bit, a little bit. And this also, I think, is a great like call to the Slaughterhouse Five thing. It's like, has she gotten like, is she just crazy? Yeah. Like, has she, has this just gotten to her and she's just gone crazy? And Betty's just, very skeptical of everything Alice has said. She's like, are you sure it wasn't a crank call? This is fair. She's trained to investigate this shit. Sure. And it's just like, you know, mom, after 40, 48 hours, it's not likely. Like, Betty is prepared that her sister's dead. But we get some interesting details from Alice. Yeah. She says, like, she, where she's calling from, everything's cold and met, and it sounds like metal. She's like, honestly, it sounds like a spaceship. Whoa. Hold the front door. It's it's a truck. Well, well. I mean, it's the phone booth, but okay, it's a phone booth. The first time she calls, we don't know that it's a phone booth. Mm-hmm. She's calling from somewhere else. It's dark. It's metallic, which does make sense as a truck. But now this ties into the Mothman thing yeah, way more. Yeah. The Mothman and the truckers, like, so the truckers are moving whatever is getting mined in the caves. So that's part of it. Yeah. That's my assumption. And the ladies might have witnessed what's in the truck. And so they kill them because they can't have any witnesses. Ooh. That would be my assumption. That's not bad. 
that would be my assumption. Some of them might have just gotten hit by the road because they got left on the road and then they, you know, they just hide the bodies. Whatever. It, there, there's a lot of different ways this goes, but this does feel like one of those tiny little clue drops that mm-hmm. starts to push all these different things together. Yeah. My assumption, if if the first one, the first one, yeah, she's probably not in this phone booth. She's inside a truck. Yeah. Yeah. She's in a truck or a trailer. Where, wherever they're processing whatever it is they get in the caves, whatever the the I'm still referring to it as Riverdale vibranium. Well, or she's in a truck that a serial killer has that he uses to kill victims. But how how would she keep making phone calls? Like that doesn't necessarily make sense either. I don't know. Okay, uh, we cut on over to Jughead at the support group. He's doing that nervous leg shaking thing. Uh, someone finishes up talking. Doctor Whitley is just like, okay, you know, Jughead, didn't you have a seri- a similar experience jughead starts talking dr whitley asks you know have you ever blocked out before jughead goes pale and we get a flash to him seeing a light from above and a mothman walking towards him and he freaks out and leaves group Uh uh-huh tabitha follows him and she's like hey you know i've been through enough to know when someone's hit a nerve like okay it's just me tell me what's going on he goes yeah i have blacked out before i've lost time i'm in new york i was drinking Doing jingle jangle and a lot of other harder drugs. Uh-huh. And I did some things I don't even remember. And I lost a lot of time. And Tabitha was like, okay, maybe we should just, like go home. Like we can forget about Cheryl's party. And Jug is like, no, and night of debauchery is exactly what I need to forget all this. Which, you know, okay, spoke yeah, sure. Oof. Trying to bury the trauma makes it makes like makes total sense. But this to me makes the biggest sense that he was victimized something happened to him something happened to him and then it spiraled into something else and the fact that because this is triggering he's seeing a dark shadowy figure come towards him Uh something in the sense of somebody following him somebody coming Mm -hmm. towards him gives me the sense that somebody trapped him or victimized him in some way so I also want to make sure we, and it's something to do with Betty. Possibly. Because remember, our first time we see them back together after the time jump about the the book launch, you left me that voicemail. I don't remember that. Yeah. I think it has to do with the Betty. I feel like whatever happened, he's so, I I feel like he did something. He's the one who did something. Oh, okay. And I feel like it has to do with. Whatever he said, I think the whatever the final traumatizing thing was, whatever he said, left the voicemail for Betty, and that's what now he's trying to drink to forget. Yeah, uh, there could be, I, I feel I feel like that's like the key. He does not remember what he said to Betty. Betty does, and that's part of this wall between them. And that's why when he sees her, it's like, hey, because he's starting to remember. Things are starting to click. Hmm. It's like you're important for some reason. Why? <laughs> Like, I'm supposed to hate you, but I love you, but why? <laughs> it's it's one of those. Like, I've been drinking to forget why. Yeah. And Jughead loves a mystery. And so does Betty. But I feel I feel like that that is definitely going to be a key to unlocking something, I believe. It might also be the key to re-unlocking Bughead. <sighs> Please don't put them back together. They probably will. Shut up. Anyway. Here's a Veronica scene that I didn't hate. I did not hate. We go over to the Pembroke. They're spreading plaster. Veronica's like, what did you think about the announcement? And Archie's like, wow, yeah, a lot of stuff's changing. And she's like, yeah, didn't it make you want to like, it, it made me take stock of my life. And I feel like you're feeling the same way. And Archie just says, like, I'm not sure, but things are changing fast. 
And Veronica's like, what happens if we get matched up at the key party? <laughs> and Archie's like, I don't know. Is Chad coming? And she goes, yes, he is. And she to, she just looks in the distance. And yeah. he sees this. Yeah. And you like, I don't hate, like, again, I don't hate this scene. And the, again, this scene after, if she had had a scene with Tony. Yeah. About learning about that because she's taking stock of her life. She's Feel real mature. It would have been, again, it would have felt so mature because Archie's handling this so maturely and a past Archie would not have. <laughs> Archie's handling this maturely while also broiling inside because he's. he No, he's he's trying to figure it out. He's trying to figure out how he feels because he doesn't know. You're not wrong. Like, which again, fair. Uh, okay, so it's party time. Oh my Keep God. our time. We go over to Thornhill. Jughead shows up. Where's the booze? <laughs> he goes directly to booze. You fucking mess. Reggie shows up. I love that Reggie's only job this episode is to show up, kiss fangs, and say, let's see what happens, and leaves. Reginald. Reginald. I love it. Again, I always forget that that's his full name is Reginald. <laughs> I'm here for it. I love it. Charles Melton. Oh, man, I feel like. I, on, on the one hand, it's like, you're being wasted, but I was like, no, you're such a sleeper agent right now. They're they're going to come I around know, with Reggie here. I in know. A bit. I can feel it. You're a sleeper agent. We got that little tidbit from one of the producer, writer, director dudes on the set. Like, oh, he's getting an episode later that directed. It was like, oh, I can feel it. You're a sleeper agent this season, and I'm here for more Reggie. <laughs> Uh, we get a little scene with Betty and Kevin and Kevin's talking about how, you know, he's expecting things to bring someone. And he's like, why? He's like, because I'm an emotional masochist. <laughs> what I love is Betty's reaction because she looks at him and goes, oh, and like wants to help, but also does not have the bandwidth to help. So just takes a giant swig of wine. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, whatever. <laughs> like, it, it's it's almost as bad. He's like, I don't even know why I'm here. I just mostly I just want to see what happens. Well, she'll yeah, and she'll mention it later. So later, as Archie's getting a drink, Chad shows up and he goes, "Hey, you know how is in this podunk t- town? There's so many hot girls." And Archie's uh, reaction is perfect. He just doesn't respond. He just looks at him and leaves. I love it. <laughs> I love it. It's perfect. The way he looks at him is just like the fuck is wrong with you, dude. And like, walks away. No, it's just like, you want me to say that, yeah, I think your wife is hot. It's just like, yes, I used to fuck your wife. <laughs> what what of it? Go away. <laughs> like, you're a tool. <laughs> Want to fight about it? <laughs> like, that's it. Fangs comes in and who does he have? Of course, he has Rip. <laughs> I love that they introduce. And then Kevin's like, uh, I'll go get everybody drinks. I'm buying. buying. Yeah, walk Kevin, away Kevin walk is, away kevin is so uncomfortable and like he makes eyes at rick like yes it is nice to meet you both yes <laughs> and uh cheryl and minerva are talking it's like oh it seems like kevin's boyfriend brought in a plus one it's like ah there'll be some collateral damage oh well i was like oh you bitches yes i kind of love that though like again cheryl's never had a counterpart they're gonna create some chaos i'm okay with that aspect the reasons behind it, I'm not okay with. If they pivot hard to it, fine. But goddamn. So anyway, what uh, a bummer of a key party. We're almost in our 30s, and then mortality, and then the big sleep. And I'm like, this was written by idiots. <laughs> key parties are not about somehow salvaging your sad life. No, I mean, this was written by people who literally have no idea what you do at key parties. No. Yeah, and again, I have no problem. Like, and I, I do appreciate they said 
everything that happens tonight has to be 100% consensual. Correct. And that we are a fluid, intersectional group. I I appreciate that. I I was like, this is a lot of bullshit service that you are really bad at anyways. I, I did appreciate that line. But it's like... The key party aspect of it was just, it's just, it's bad. It's so sad. To a degree, it makes sense coming from Cheryl, but I really wish nobody had shown up. They thought they were being so sex positive by doing this. They're not. And instead, they're so fucking sex shaming about all of this. Oh, be- with all of it. It just comes off so gross. Because like, it, it felt gross. That That's not how any of this shit works. No. Not in a healthy way. No. Not in a healthy way. Because um, some sometimes people approach things this way and then it, it is a fucking disaster. Like this is. Like this is a fucking disaster. So uh, there's no redrawing of keys. Blah, That's blah, blah, fucking dumb. Uh, and, you know, but you have to do this. Blah, blah, blah. So Veronica's like, I don't want to be second to anyone. So she draws a key. And, of course, it's Archie. And Chadwick's like, not with your ex. And, you know, they basically face off. And then Veronica redraws like, oh, look, I got Chad's keys. Let's go. And Cheryl's like, no redrawing. It's against the rules. So sue me. So they start to leave. Married people are supremely boring. (laughs) Call call my lawyer, Cheryl. Yeah. So they leave. Uh, Veronica's like, I will not have two Tarzans fighting over me. God damn it. That's all you fucking want, bitch. You said like you you knew this was going to happen. Like, this is, again, this is annoying to me. I do like Archie's reaction to this, which is just like, of fucking course. Well, I and you can see Betty is just kind of like, hmm. Like, she doesn't look jealous. It's more of like, I, I feel like for her, it's also like, how do I feel about this? I don't know. I'm drinking wine. <laughs> it's, it's how does she feel about it? And all I think it's also the, the, the seed of recognition for her of like, oh, yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Which I, I, I like. And then Jughead is drunk and he's drunk, drunk, drunk. He's oh, like, no, I want to do it. I want to get keys. And Tab- Tabitha's like, let me take him home, please. Like, and he pulls the keys. Oh, look, those are my keys. I guess I can take him home now. Tabitha runs him out the door. Gets him out the door. It, now it's Soldier Boy's time. Eric, he pulls Minerva. And he's like, how are you at following orders? No one better, ma'am. So they go off. That's kind of cute. A little flirty. I like it. Good for you, G.I. Jackson. Yes, I'm here for that. <laughs> and then Reggie's just like, all right. It's my turn before there's there's fewer options. Pulls keys, Tony. And Tony's like, guess again. Those are mine. It's fangs. And they kiss. And Archie has a reaction like, okay. And then Reggie says, no promises. But let's see what happens, stud. And so they go. And as they leave, it reveals that Kevin's mouth is just wide open. Oh, my God. Which is hilarious. <laughs> I know this is just like some fan service, but this is the type of fan service. And like, this is the one piece of the situation where I'm like, this is funny. Because if ever there was anybody who was going to be like, no homo, no homo, it would have been Reggie. That's the person you would have put this on. But Reggie is the one who kissed Fangs. And Reggie's the one who said, "Let no promises. Let's see where this goes. <laughs> I I love that. I am here for that. Yes, thank you. I think in a small way, it also points out, like, Kevin being here going, like, I thought I was into this whole thing, and um, I'm not sure, because this is a lot. <laughs> like, so much has happened. Like, Kevin is, or we already knew Kevin was conflicted, but it's like, oh, 
I am way more conflicted than I thought about this. Which again, we know, like cruising I, cruising with guys at the truck stop is one thing. This feels real awkward, watch, real fast. Watching the man I love kiss somebody who is my friend or was my friend, who like, I very well know. Who I very well like. This is not comfortable for me. <laughs> I called so much of the shit. Uh huh. So Kevin picks Rick, and he just says, oh, "Yeah, I figured we'd come back to my house uh, tonight, anyways." <laughs> Weird. So Betty gets up. She's like, oh, I'm still traumatized from spin the bottle sophomore year. And Cheryl's like, is fun. Cry me a river, cousin. <laughs> she picks Archie. So they just go. And Cheryl's just like, oh, it's Tony. And Tony's just like, I knew that would happen. It's like, uh-huh. oh, you don't believe in fate. I don't believe in fate, Cheryl, but I do believe in your ability to be a master manipulator. Great. Love that. Tony's totally calling her out. Okay, I have something to show you. Oh, man. Enter creepy as fuck nursery. I hate this. This is so bad. I fucking hate this. There is no reason to push it this far. None. The only reason I don't hate this, because this is on track for old Cheryl, which she, which now that she's come out of her isolation, she's reverted back to high school Cheryl. Yeah. And I feel like Tony needed this to fully sever. Her, I'm trying to say, I want to save Cheryl. Boy, I hope so. And as soon as everyone else gets word about this, because she's going to have to tell other people about this, like, no, this has to stop. That she's not okay, and this behavior is not okay. And so, like, I, I feel like, on the one hand, creepy as fuck, but this is on brand for Cheryl. And also, I feel like that, like, the fact that Tony's response was so strong and no is for me. Is good for Tony. There's I. We just can't have any backpedaling. I hate that we pushed Cheryl this fucking far over five seasons. This is this is not a frustration at Cheryl now. It's a frustration at what they did to just tank this character. Here's the thing: it would have been better if she had decorated the nur- It would have played way better if she had decorated the the nursery. In a style that you could see reads as Tony's style. Yeah. If she had done that, it would have been like, oh, because you could have seen there's a little, the tiniest growth of Cheryl. Because this is just all Cheryl. Because it's just, it's Cheryl's, it's the Cheryl show. Uh Uh-huh. And if it had been more of, I want you and the baby to have a place here if you choose. Because that would have been way harder to say no to. It It would have made it more complicated. And then it would have made it less... Well, Cheryl's just out for Cheryl. This cut and dry. She's trying to fucking kidnap her. Oh, it's just, well, and Tony calls her out on that. I love this. And she's like, we can be together with or without Kevin and Fangs, you know. Uh, Who knows if they'll survive the night. And Tony's like, so that's what this whole night was for. It's like, you know, just to show you how fragile some unions can be. And and this is our path forward. Oh, my God. You know, I, I have been working, you know, I've been compelled to work on Thornhill without knowing why. But this can be a sanctuary for your child, if not ours. And Tony's like, I'm not bringing my baby into this house of horrors and being cooped up here like I was at Thistle House. I'm done trying. I should have left our relationship where it belongs in the past, which it's very clear cut. They could have made this a lot more complicated. I want the outcome to be the same, but they could have made it more complicated while still having a li- the tiniest bit of character growth. Uh, we're working on our friendship and our relationship, and there's a place for you when that time comes. Like, that's how it should have been presented. And then you have to throw in a Cheryl line, like, because, you know, who knows what will happen with Kevin and Fangs? 
And then you get, I'm not coming in this house of horrors. I'm not doing this. I should have left a relationship in the past done. Because then you could have seen the, the sliver and then, oh, but we're not there yet. We're, we're, we're still fucking Cheryl. Done. Because that also would have way subverted the expectations. Make her a villain from now on or fuck you forever. I'm done with it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Nope. <laughs> eh. Cut over to the gazebo and Kevin is talking with Rick. You know, Rick's asking some questions like, oh, you know, we've been together eight years, open for the last three. And Rick says, yeah, but I hear that's closing soon. And Kevin's like, yeah. Rick says, you know, I'm rooting for you guys. Fangs is a keeper, but he calls him Fogarty. And he'll be a great father. And Kevin is starting to get really upset. He goes, did he ever talk about me? And Rick says, no, but that would have been a little odd considering the context. And then you can see it on Kevin's face. That really upsets him. It really upsets Kevin that Fangs never talked about him. He's super insecure about this. He's insecure about everything. Uh Uh-huh. And yeah, we'll we'll get to it more here in a second. We go to Andrew's house. Tabitha's dropping off Jug. And Jughead's like, do you believe I had an experience? And Tabitha says, I don't know, but I think you're repressing something. And my suggestion would be that you get a therapist who specializes in trauma. Yes. This is a good suggestion. And he passes out. So we cut on over to Fangs eating cereal and Kevin coming home. He's like, oh, you're home. And Fangs like, yes, Reggie is 100% straight. And Kevin's like, uh, I love you so much. I'm not ready to get married. And Fangs is like, is this about cruising in the woods? That's okay. You can keep doing that. That's fine. So sweet. Yeah. So sweet. Like, Fangs you know, doesn't care about that aspect. Like, he's, just, he's like, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to you. have a future with you. And if that's something that you need as a person, that's fine. Yeah. Like, huh, again, like this, uh, this, uh, this is sweet. And Kevin says, it's about me and where I'm at. And Fangs like, where you're at what about tony why are you imploding us when you pushed for all of this you pushed for us to be open starting a family getting married and kevin you can tell he is he's just like imploding on himself he's like this it's messed up it's messed up and he's starting to cry and he leaves oh kevin is trying so hard to feel the only word i can come up with right now is normal safe safe mainstream he wants to feel like everybody else i mean maybe what they what they did here and i was okay with is that they didn't make a full end close here correct they're not broken up but kevin has to figure some shit out why is kevin doing what he's doing like he has some like shame is a real part of kevin's identity yeah um, it always has been, and I think that's very deeply related to the fact that he's the only nice gay kid in Riverdale. Except he's not anymore. He's not anymore. Um, and he hasn't been for a while. Well, Cheryl's not nice. But I mean, it goes back to S1E1. Isn't there another, another nice gay kid in Riverdale? Yeah, dad, me. And that's just been the journey we've been on with Kevin. And it's so sad. But I mean, please don't fuck this up with Kevin. Please heal Kevin. Like, please, please help us see Kevin heal with whatever is going on with him. Like, I think there is a a way here and I don't trust them for it. I don't. But I think there is a way here where Kevin takes a breath, Mm -hmm. (laughs) comes back. It could even be in the next episode. And he sits down and talks with Thanks. It was like, here's what really is going on. 
and I still want to make this work. I'm going to make it work, but I need you to understand so that we can work on it together. So I, I think that's a definite possibility. Yeah. Um, it's just there's yeah, there's something going on. And I mean, I don't have any experience with this and I just I don't want to theorize too much about it. Um, so I just I, I really hope it's done well. I just it it really reminds me of that episode in season two where he's cruising in the woods and Betty is just yelling at him about like, this is dangerous. This is bad. And you're on grind him. And he's just like, you get to act out all of your shit and I don't. And then he has that scene with his dad that is just so beautiful. Ugh, I know mean, it's beautiful. And so like, I really hope that's the resolution, even if it means that they break up. And I knew they were going to like, cause it feels like they broke up. Maybe he sits down and talks with his dad. That ah. might be a really good way to do it. <sighs> It it would be interesting to, well, it would be interesting to talk to his dad about the relationship because, you know, his, again, because I talked about this last time, where is Kevin's mom? Be a great time to get into that. It would be because Kevin's mom was gone for so long before they got divorced. So did Keller have relationships with other people while his mom was away? And was that a part of, were they okay with that? And I would love, that would actually be a great evolution of the relationship because that was one of the things that Keller said, there are things that we don't talk about because you're gay and we might need to stop that. I I would love if they've gotten to a place seven years later where they can have a conversation about, have be having those conversations that's not a problem just because Kevin's gay. Kevin needs to go talk to his dad. That would be get beautiful. Get some perspective they, and come back to things. That would be great. Or end it with things. Whatever, don't stay with things just because you've been with things this long. Fair, absolutely. Like, like, but you need to fix whatever's wrong with you, uh-huh. and you need to be honest with things about that. And you also need to be honest with Tony because you've entered into a relationship with Tony. Yep, it is a parent relationship, a par- partnership, and she deserves that. She should know whatever. She should know everything that's going on with the uh, romantic relationship. She does. She deserves that, and that child deserves. For y'all to be on the same page. Ugh. Breaks my heart. They were, they were so stable and good. I have hope for them. Uh, so we cut to Betty's room and Archie and Betty are just sitting on the bed. And she's like, okay, so we have a free pass to do whatever we want. And why aren't we? <laughs> and they're just like, ah, I think it's because we're on the edge. And this is this again. This is perfect. Maturity. It's like, ugh. Archie says, I have to be honest with you. I shouldn't have feelings for Veronica, but I do. And that is like should. Like we should make so much sense. Because <laughs> the boy next like like you're you, I'm the girl next door, but we are such different people. Uh-huh. And uh, it's just perfect. And she's like, I need my friend. You're a light in the dark. And he's just like, that's what I'll be. So yeah. they're done. They're Cause she, cause she's like I don't want my darkness to overtake this because this is so nice like, and light. This makes me cry because this is beautiful because <laughs> she doesn't want to lose her best fucking friend. Yeah. They've been best friends since they were like five fucking years old. Uh-huh. They do deeply love each other. Very much. They do. They absolutely do. We talked about this last season when they were kissing and it's just like, we're just safe. We're safe to each other. When they started fucking, I was just like, this is just something we wanted to do for a while. So, okay. I love this. This is so mature. Ugh. But the fact that they caught feelings and then went, this is not okay. It wasn't even that they caught feelings. It was just that this is turning into something that it's not. 
Like, we're treating each other in a way that we don't have the feelings to back up. Yeah. Like, I am treating you in the way that I would a boyfriend, and it's that's complicated because we're having sex. And I can still call – she can call Archie in the middle of the night to come cuddle her, but it has to be with the knowledge that we're just friends. We're yeah. not people who are – we're not lovers. Nope. And that's okay, but we have to have that conversation, and that is so fucking mature. And also – I think a great example for people watching the show. It's just like, whatever you're doing, you just have to have the conversation about what it is. Exactly. Yeah. And I uh, and I love that. I also love that there was no, there was no implied jealousy about the Veronica feelings. No. I love that. And this is how you do kind of the love triangle without doing the love triangle trope. <laughs> it exists. There's some awkwardness. It's like, mm, this happened. And then like last season we got that. I just, I can't be mad at you. I keep saying last season, but it was technically the season. I know I can't be mad at you because I'm too sad. Like, that's perfect. Yeah. It's perfect. And then now, and we get it later, it's like, I wondered about that. We was just like, <laughs> sure. Okay. Uh, it's perfect. It's perfect because it acknowledges it. And there is that dynamic, but it doesn't make it this icky thing that it puts girl against girl because that's always how it works yep we're happy to do boy against boy but yeah welcome we cut over to the pembroke and chad's mad did you just bring me here to uh, embarrass me and veronica's like no it's time for us to stop playing games and avoiding the truth and uh you being here made me realize something cut okay. to commercial cut to commercial we come back jughead gets out of a shower and, you know, he wipes the steam away from the mirror and there's a mothman behind him and he freaks out. They did a really bad job putting bags under his eyes. <laughs> Get the boy some help. I'm coming over to Thornhill and Cheryl is finishing her painting. She's showing it to Minerva. She's not wearing any lipstick. It's important. And she's just like, oh, it's over. I'm horrible. I'm repulsive. And Minerva's like, no, you're amazing. And they kiss. And they're going to be art criminals now. Uh, uh-uh. Minerva's going to con the fuck out of her. I, th- I agree. Yeah. I Minerva's think- going to take all her fucking money. She's going to grift the fuck out of her, which good. Yeah. Good. I'm here. For- I'm 100% oh, here yeah. for that. That's that. That's what's going to happen here. I-, I saw this and went, uh-uh. You don't give a shit about her. You just want her fucking money. <laughs> and you're going to take or, all of it. Or you want to expose all the years of grifting that. Whatever, she's going to make sure that Cheryl is poor as fuck. Uh-huh. I don't care. I'm here for all of that. Uh, <laughs> but I called I called them. I called Oh, my that. God. I'm here for that. The second I saw them together and she's painting her, I was like, well, fuck. <laughs> yep. That's happening. We cut on over to Archie watching the fire truck. Veronica comes in to tell them that we're getting a divorce. And, like, it's just flirty flirt. And he, te- he tells her about Betty, which, again, I appreciate it. Like, I wondered about that. And she's like, was it just two lost souls? And he's like, yeah, but we're just friends now. Uh-huh. And she's like, well, I'm only interested in the future and what we want now. So they kiss. Barf. Oh, look, nothing's changed. Nothing has fucking changed. It's just, uh, it, this This bugged me. This shouldn't have happened this episode. No. It, it didn't sh- need to. But No, it should have been, we should have gotten the actual scene of her and Chad, of her telling Chad, we're getting a divorce. And then I would have been fine with her coming to the firehouse and being like, I was like, I need to apologize to you. Because you've been put in the middle of my relationship, which is not healthy, it's not good, and I'm getting a divorce, blah, blah, blah. But that's not how they do this. No, because Veronica's not mature. No. And this, she's not mature. And actually, I really hope that that's something that Archie comes to, like, 
I really hope. Cause here's the thing: Veronica's always had the power in the relationship, and I hope that if anything, with with the with the Varchi 2.0, it becomes Archie being like, "I'm not putting up with this shit anymore. You're not going to run me around. You're not going to treat me like this. I'm a grown up. I've been through some shit, and you're going to grow up too." Maybe that helps Veronica actually grow up. Maybe with the higher himself, and also like, I'm not getting involved with this bullshit with your dad. Oh fuck no! Oh, he's smart enough to not do that. <laughs> well, except he kind of already is. Well, like, well, he is, but not directly. Yeah, he will. He will he, soon he will. enough. <laughs> well, but also like, Ron, like it just needs to be like, no, you need to deal with your dad, like as an adult. Stop acting like a child. Uh huh. I I need I need if they're gonna be in a relationship together, Archie needs to be an adult in this relationship and not. And I don't want to say, like, he has to have the upper hand. Like, he needs to be on equal footing with Veronica in this relationship. Because he never has. No. No. Then we cut over to the Cooper house. Phone rings. And it's Polly. And Polly's freaking out. She's like, I'm on the side of the road. I'm on the lonely highway. Come get me. I'm in a phone booth. And so they get in the car. They find this phone booth that has been completely smashed to the ring. And there's blood everywhere. Riverdale. Whoa. Whoop-de-whoop. Whoa. Whoa. So, like trash episode but then right at the end i was like ooh, ooh, a little cliffhanger a little tease there, there's some good seeds good little like hinty seeds like the betty and jughead storylines are keeping the mystery aspects going yeah and then also the betty storyline is keeping the maturity aspect at play you know with archie i love archie's story archie's story has been like top notch this this whole part it's, of this it seems like people are really bored with archie but i was like no 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 Archie has to be the glue, and his is the most mature and sound one, while still being realistic for the Archie that we knew before. We're being bored because it's mature and normal response to normal things. Yeah, that's like, why people are bored. Like, it's still super eye-rolly because he ran into a burning building, but that's also the Archie we know. He still yes. has to be the Archie we know. His hair still looks ridiculous, but that's the <laughs> Archie we know. It's it, it's this the Veronica of it all really just kind of holds everything in suspended animation. Mm-hmm. And this Choney bullshit. Here's the thing. I agree with you. If they look at this and go, OK, no more backpedaling. Cheryl's going full wild chaos grifter. Mm-hmm. OK, fine. If you just want to make her a villain from now on. Cool. I'm 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 fine with that because that's where we're at with her. Yeah, oh, agree. But just. Please don't go back and forth with that character anymore. No. Please don't. You have to actually make her like you 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 want to have your cake and eat it too and you can't do that if you're not actually making um improvements. And and I think they're going to continue to waffle it. I think they're going to go they're going to say, "Well, we we don't want her to be a complete bad guy, but we also want to, you know, make her Cheryl." And it's just like, "Well, fuck." Well, in those like, first episodes they were doing a good job and but- then you know the they they can't find a medium with her that makes sense, and they they could have. I mean, we've hello, we've dissected. Like, I mean, you just need to hire us at this point because <laughs> this is bad. I I, I want to hate this episode coming out of it and looking at like the way they did it is terrible, mm-hmm. but the things that they set up for most of the characters isn't actually that bad. Correct, and that's where I go. Okay, well, Here- I can't be quite as mad at this. Here's the thing: we hate this episode because we hate. We hate the the driver for the chaos. The plot is the, fucking The plot horrible. fucking sucks. It's horrible. It's in poor taste. And it was, as is usual, badly executed. Yep. That's our number one complaint is that you, you guys have some good ideas, but you execute them really fucking badly. 
But where we've left these characters leaves me like, okay, I'm we're interested. Still, we're still curious. I still want to know what happens. And we got two more episodes before we go on long hiatus. So, fuck. We, we need to figure out what's happening next time. Yep. Next time on. So, let's go watch that. Okay. going to be chapter 85 destroyer school spirit after the bulldogs lose several football games archie and veronica come up with a plan to boost school spirit jughead turns his attention to a student who he thinks might need his help betty seeks guidance from cheryl after being faced with a difficult decision to make finally kevin is forced to face a dark moment from his past Mm. so that's our synopsis our trailer give is all betty all the time yeah and uh (laughs) The way she's making faces. Somebody put, oh, Dark Betty's back. I don't think Dark Betty is back. No, I think Dark Betty died a long time ago, but still. No, I think, no, I don't, no Dark Betty's not dead. But anyway, staring in the mirror. Yeah. It's, that whole motif. Yeah. Um, She's going to team up with Jughead. I've already seen the pictures released of her and Jughead sitting on the porch that looks like to be Dreyfus's house. Um, So they're going to they're gonna team up because there's something not right. And and Betty Betty needs an a uh, mystery solving ally. So does Jughead. So who are you gonna call Betty Drew? Also, great fodder for a book. Not gonna lie. True. If he figures out that there's some crazy murder going on in that town. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so as our penultimate to this portion of the season, I feel like we're gonna get a lot of nuggets next time. So if Kevin's dealing with something from his past, we're probably gonna find out what he's actually been doing. Aside, you know, what what is this dark thing from his past? Aside from just cruising, yeah, maybe well, ooh, maybe it has something to do with the cult. Could be, uh, who knows? Or I don't, I don't trust it. Or it's something from from the seven year gap that we don't know about. Maybe something that ha- happened during college, which is fine. I just there's no point in doing the seven year time gap if we're gonna if we're gonna have to go back into a flashback too much. If if it's just this this one event from that gap. Per character, fine. I think that's what we're gonna have. I- I'm fine with it because they I- made that a precedent with Betty. Well, yeah, that makes. Well, that was recent though. Yeah, and that's fine. Uh, I just they need to be careful not using that as a crutch. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, Archie and Veronica are working together on the Bulldogs. That's a fun surface level thing, though. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's B plot shit. So. I mean, here's the thing. I don't hate when Archie and Veronica have a plan to make the town better. That's a fun dynamic. Well, that's that's always the B plot. And then, you know, well, that's just standard Riverdale. They're they're doing something for the town while Betty and Chuck Betty are and trying Jack- to find out the horrible shit that's going on. Trying to find a murderer. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's normal Riverdale. And honestly, I'm not gonna complain about that. Yep. <sighs> this is the show we've chosen to talk about. It is. God help us. Oh geez. We didn't think it would last this long. <laughs> and you know they already got a green light for season six so we'll be doing more i mean Where- nothing they did here can't be pulled out in the end but on the other hand god why did you have to do it like this <sighs> we're still entertained so we yeah. just we just bitch because it's what we're good at all right well until next time hashtag bulldogs, bulldogs forever, forever. <laughs> Be 
sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.